klappt das jetzt? Ja. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Uptime Punks. And we have today a very special guest with us, Ralph Schirmeisen, who is the chief uh, technologist for cloud at Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Um, welcome, Ralph. How are you? Yes, uh, thank you very much for having me. Yes, great. So <laughs> Fine, um, yeah. um, we, we thought that we covered so many aspects of GaiaX and so many companies, but there's a few companies we haven't covered. So um, we have decided with our friends from Hewlett Packard Enterprise that let's bring the expert from their end about GaiaX, which is Ralph. So um, we're going to be talking a bit about GaiaX. But of course, before we start with GaiaX, there's many other topics we have to discuss. Um, And I think we should start right away. And my first question will be, so people can sort of assume what was your age or what age category you fit into and what brought you into the world of technology. Um, do you remember what was your first mobile phone? Yes, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. Yes, you can now, now understand how, uh, what my age is. Yes, my, my first mobile phone, when I think about it, is of course, Motorola or Nokia, but uh, actually, uh, Interesting is uh, what I still in memory have uh, is my first car phone, oh. uh, and it is, was uh, it was not connected at all to the to the radio, uh, and uh, it was uh, running with a cable, and uh, it was really installed in the bracket between the front seats, and uh, it, I got a feeling something like uh, when I was uh, on the phone, uh, like in the Miami Vice movie <laughs> or. Uh, <laughs> in a police car or in a crime scene, this was pretty cool. And uh, somehow it was something like, uh, uh, you probably, you know, Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but Magnum did really had a cable, so he could already talk to his car. Yes, uh, he was, his car didn't sound, uh, the name wasn't Alexa or, or Hey Google or something like this, but it was different. I cannot re remember the name, but. Yes, um, it was since that time. So yeah. um, it's quite funny because we had another guest here before and he, he lived in Paris and he was like his first mobile phone. He was driving on the Champs-Élysées. He could not afford a phone call with the phone, but the car he bought had a phone installed in it. So he would drive on the Champs-Élysées and look like he's really busy talking on the phone <laughs> with the cable hanging out. But um, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and, and was that your first encounter with technology or what was your first computer? Yes, actually, my, my first computer was a Commodore 64. Uh, actually, um, uh, with a data set where, where you're storing the data on the on the, uh, on the cassette, and it, it's still in my cellar. Actually, I really saved this one uh, as uh, something really worthful. And uh, actually, my 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 time uh, uh, consumption with this uh, computer was pretty much uh, since uh, now we are complaining about our kids here. Uh, they are using their mobile phone too much, but actually it was nearly the same time uh, with the Commodore. Uh, I really spent so much time with this one. But I really greatly remember my first times with the Windows computers. Uh, it was somehow Windows 3.1, and uh, it really took ages to configure the network. And uh, for the booting, or I just remember always the blue screen. And uh, yes, it was really highly compli complicated to install such a computer. and. Uh, Uh, but at the end, it really trained a little bit <laughs> for the computer environment. Yeah. I, I remember also when Windows introduced the changing cursors, when you had like a, a little dinosaur walking around the screen. Uh, well, I just joined the computer when it was like Windows well, 95, maybe, that time. I'm, I'm still from the younger generation. But um, yeah. <laughs> so so it, was that then what got you into the industry, that when you had your first computer, that you're like, oh, I, I like this. I like this, all these ones and all these zeros, and I want to figure out how this works. Or 
what, what brought you, what was sort of your path into Hewlett Packard Enterprise? Because you surely didn't just knock the door there and said, hey guys, um, I want to run your Gaia X cloud projects. Um. <laughs> Yes, of course. Yeah, actually, I really got to the industry, I, I believe, by a mistake. So uh, at the end, I wrote a master thesis uh, about a computer inter interface card. And uh, actually, the professor couldn't find someone uh, for this master thesis, and I applied for this one. So actually, since that time, I'm working on computers and interface cards. And I really do understand now, uh, or, uh, since that time already, uh, how everything works together. And actually, uh, at the beginning, it was only IBM who was uh, really pretty dominant in the IT business. And uh, I got the feeling with the other companies, it was some, somehow uh, a startup feeling. So actually, I really wanted to to be in the startup uh, companies. And that's why I applied for HPE. So yes. But now, actually, uh, at the moment, really, each and everybody knows and understands how the technology works. And uh, I just was remembering today, uh, uh, each and everybody knows the Wi-Fi SSID, <laughs> how to connect to a Wi-Fi. Everybody knows this one. And uh, uh, 20 years ago, it was uh, something for, for really IT nerds uh, to develop something like this work. Yeah. It's probably quite similar to the NFC chips at the moment. Um, so I'm a, I'm a cyclist. And one of the younger guys, the other day, he installed an NFC chip on this handlebar of his bicycle. So when he comes close to it with the phone, the Garmin, which is the Garmin head unit, which records your speed and everything, starts up automatically, and his Spotify playlist connects to his headset and starts playing the music. Um, this just shows you how connectivity has changed over the years. Um, yeah, it's quite crazy. Um, well, what would you say is, um, because we all went through lockdowns, and some are still in it, and some are getting out of it, and did you did you like find yourself a little lockdown gadget um something you you purchased which kept you some sanity over the last 16 months yes yes great great uh, great question uh, actually uh, when you were talking about cycling uh, i'm i'm doing cycling as well and uh, my first gadget it it is not a gadget anymore it's, it's a new normal uh, was a, a virtual trainer uh, for indoor cycling uh, about 13 years ago yeah, no, no, it was just before it was text. And uh, I was cycling in a virtual world with virtual opponents and virtual competitions. But 13 years ago, and uh, most of my friends thought, uh, oh, what a nerd. He's sitting inside and uh, doing sports. Uh, many friends were laughing when I was telling them uh, I was uh, cycling around the Fiji Islands. Uh, since that time, it was connected to Google Maps you know, or around Ayers Rock. Uh, but um, at the moment, everybody's doing home sport and uh, this is a new normal yeah last week i was doing swift and uh, i've been together with 50000 other people in a virtual in one virtual world so it's really the new normal now so well, <laughs> the gadget is the new normal now well i spent the entire december season in uh, swift as well so i can feel your pain um i cannot see a turbo trainer anymore <laughs> so that's for me the point in reach <laughs> but yeah sometimes it's it's the best probably most efficient way for, to training but um, let's not speak too much about cycling because then it will go on for hours um so <laughs> when you think about uptime um uh, because the podcast is called Uptime Punks. How, how would you define uptime for yourself? What is uptime to you and to you and your business? Um, 
Cool. Yes, actually, up, uptime is a great word, but for me, uptime is a resource. Yeah, you should be very, very careful with that. And during the pandemic, my uptime will now definitely increases too much. So uptime must be very sustain, uh, substantial, very valuable, and must be full of power. So, uh, but uh, but for all all life situations, I believe. But uh, uptimes need also a downtime. And uh, you must be, these two things must be in great balance. Uh, so you are the uptime punks and you're, you're really bringing value to the time here, I believe. And I've seen many of your recordings already, so it's great. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, the podcast is called The Uptime Punks, um, so we always ask the question, um, what does uptime mean to you and to your business? Yes, actually, uh, for me, uptime is a resource. Uh, you should be very, very careful with this. And uh, during the pandemic, my uptime windows uh, definitely increases uh, too much. So uptime must be very sustainable, very valuable, and uh, must be full of power. Uh, but actually for all life situations. Uh, but uptime needs also, it, you have to, lease, uh, have to have a downtime and the uptime and the downtime must be in, in, in great balance. So you are the uptime punks and you're bringing really value on the table. And uh, I think uh, later on, you have to take some downtime later to really to realize everything what was happened in the discussions here to realize it again. Yeah, this is uptime for my definition. Okay, that's pretty. It's pretty cool definition. So, um, so let's let's speak about Hewlett Packard Enterprise for everybody that doesn't know them out there. Um, what do you guys do exactly? <laughs> yeah, it's actually thank you for the question. So uh, <laughs> we are not a printing company. <laughs> yes, I'm still having so many meetings there where uh, people expect uh, that we are doing selling printers. So we did a split a couple of years ago. So HP is for responsible for the printing, and HPE is an edge to cloud as a service company. So this is a new definition, or this is a definition of uh, HPE. So uh, when you think about the edge. Only, only the edge is a really big word. So it's about IoT and other IoT devices you have to really install on, uh, on, the, on your supply chain, on your production line, in the smart city, wherever you can imagine. Uh, we do have the solutions for this one, not only the, the components, but also the solutions. Uh, we do have Wi-Fi on board. We are probably one of the biggest uh, Wi-Fi manufacturer worldwide. So at the moment, we are really overwhelmed with uh, projects in uh, schools. To really, uh, the, the schools are asking now for really running and uh, functional working Wi-Fi environment, since the most schools just put some some uh, yes uh, legacy Wi-Fi uh, wi uh, components in the schools. And uh, another topic is uh, building up Wi-Fi in the hospitals is absolutely important. Uh, Wi-Fi is pretty much used also for home workers. So um, yes, so Wi-Fi is a big topic, and uh, we are also. Uh, going in the direction of 5G. Open 5G is very interesting, where we can play a really huge role. And we are talking about the connectivity also. So you have to really to, to put the data from the edge, maybe to the data center, maybe to a cloud, and you have to control the data stream. And we are delivering solution around this one. Another interesting topic is uh, you have, nobody really wants to build up IT anymore. They just want to consume IT. 
uh, and just want to consume solutions, they just want to consume data, uh, they just want to have something ready to run and pay as a use, like Spotify. So uh, yeah, it must be everything must be ready to run. And what we're doing is uh, that we're really building around uh, infrastructure and uh, technologies. We build around a solution, and we can deliver this one uh, as a service uh, to a company, to a customer. Uh, just imagine we are just uh, building a lot of football stadiums uh, on a smart technology, and we can really deliver a full football stadium as a service which includes uh, entrance ticketing systems. Uh, when you want to order uh, something to drink or to eat, uh, you, we can deliver each and everything uh, component in an as a service, maybe paid only by a, uh, 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 yes, a people is uh, paying the ticket. So another thing is, uh, I, I see you, you're just uh, uh, looking at me, but another really interesting thing is, uh, uh, what HPE stands for is a Wellness Friday. <laughs> so we, a Wellness we, Friday. A, a Wellness Friday. Yes, we do have now a Wellness. Every second Friday is a Wellness Friday. It is totally free, and <laughs> you can do something with your family or your or you for yourself wow. or whatever you want to imagine. Yes, so for the summertime. I so go, go cycling, cycling probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing. But would you say there's one product? Okay, this is maybe a difficult question. Would you say there's one product that everybody uses every day and it's connected to HPE? Or like actually, a chip uh, or solution or like, and people are not even aware of it. Like, I always say, like, people are like, oh, data centers, what are data centers? Well, when you put on your Netflix, you're basically going through a data center. When you put on your laptop, when you connect to the Wi-Fi at home, when even when you connect it to the telco, you're still connected to a data center. Um, but would you say there's something where you say, like, everybody has a connecting point at some part of the day with Hewlett Packard Enterprise? Yes, that's a great question there. Uh, <laughs> what I believe is uh, that... Uh, ne nearly every data set you're using here in your, your normal life, in, in each of everyday life, uh, has touched somehow components of our infrastructure. So uh, we are a key deliverable, uh, key deliverable uh, for, for cloud service providers. Uh, many, many cloud service providers are using our technology. Uh, we are using this uh, each and everywhere uh, is our infrastructure underneath. And I believe uh, when you're really going to use your data, somehow it has touched somewhere uh, our, yes, our components, whatever you can imagine here. So Hewlett Packard Enterprise is ruling the world. <laughs> no, not really, not really, not <laughs> really. <laughs> but it's, actually, it's, it's a question of market share. Yeah, and uh, the market share is pretty high at the moment for us. And uh, yes, uh, the companies really like our solutions at the moment, uh, especially the as-a-service delivery. I just mentioned yeah. this one. And underneath, under the as-a-service components, of course, there there are our technologies. And uh, yes, and. I believe that every nearly every data set you're using, Paul, <laughs> has somehow yeah. touched our infrastructure underneath. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so speaking about that, so this means you guys are. Let's if, if we look at the data set or data in general, like a spider web, right? Um, which means you guys are part of the spider web. Which means all the data points at some point will touch your components, or will run through your network, or through your supercomputers, or through your chips. Um, would you 
Is that what made you guys get the interest into Gaia X? Was that one of the reasons why you guys got involved? Or maybe let's step one step backwards. What is Gaia X to Hewlett Packard Enterprise? Or actually, what what we believe is that uh, Gaia X is the future. This is really the future. the The world is going decentral. So uh, what what we see is uh, that it's all about connecting data, and not only connecting data. It is all about understanding the insights of data, and uh, therefore you need a connectivity around this one. You have to connect the data sets. You have to connect the data itself, and of course you have to understand the data. Uh, uh, I was working for a longer time for our big data team a couple of years ago, and there was all about how to store the massive amount of data and how to care about the backup and uh, stuff like that. And now everybody's talking about the insights of the data. Nobody really wants to move this big, huge amount of data. And that's why it's a, the, the, the topic of decentralization is increasing. And uh, we will see our future that uh, the data sets are really fully decentralized and all connected uh, with each other. But we need really uh, something uh, to put on, on top of that another layer, which is the sovereignty. And there are really, I believe, uh, GAIA-X really will play a huge role. Uh, because I do not believe how we are doing this right now. At the moment, we cannot really share data uh, without the possibility to really to know who is using the data, who is allowed to use the data. And uh, with GAIA-X, it will change. It can change. Uh, it can play a key role. Uh, in building up a decentralized world. That's why HPE is really uh, looking on this project pretty much. And uh, we're just going to have uh, a couple of announcements next month uh, about our standpoint on Gaia-X. Uh, yes. So that's that's basically your standpoint on Gaia-X. Um, but, okay, so you're saying Gaia-X is for data serenity and that's why you guys want to get involved. But coming back to my original what is your definition? No. Okay, so when when you speak to people about GAIA-X, some people say, oh, it's going to be a platform where you can, it's like going to be like a supermarket. You can choose your um, service providers and you can choose your services and where you go for your services. Um, what, what do you see GAIA-X as? Is it more like a regulatory um, non-government entity? Or is it more like a user-friendly support system to the consumer? Um, what, what would you say is, is GAIA-X in, in your perspective? And, of course, the most important question, um, do you think GAIA-X should be open to everyone? Or do you think GAIA-X should be um, kept purely, let's say, European territory? Yes, okay. This, this is a, a couple of questions, uh, <laughs> a big questions as well. So... Uh, I, I believe we, sh we should not see Gaia-X as uh, something which will happen all at once. So it is not a, a switch and uh, suddenly Gaia-X is running and working and uh, it will evolve over the time. And uh, what I see that there in the market, I um, had so many discussions already with our customers and other companies about uh, what kind of uh, problems they want to solve with Gaia-X. And uh, somehow we do have just a couple of very, very simple uh, problems to, to be solved, uh, especially, for example, in the automotive sector. I, there is a real need in building up a digital uh, supply chain. And the, the major problem of the, our big car manufacturers here in Germany, for example, is to, uh, to, to connect uh, to the suppliers 
uh, on a digital way and um, they have not the, uh, do not have the possibility at the moment to just to connect an Excel table to a digital supply chain. And Gaia-X can solve this issue. They can then connect the Excel table to a digital supply chain to someone else who really wants to gather the data. At the moment, it's simply not possible. And that's why I mean Gaia-X is nothing what is uh, really controlling the fully decentralized environment right now, but it solves a lot of issues we do not have at the moment. Uh, we cannot solve at the moment. Another topic is, for example, for um, for the energy sector. I had a lot of conversations with the energy sector, and uh, they want to simulate data for for calculating the power networks, for example. And they have to gather the data from the weather stations, from the power network, from the from the uh, re uh, renewables from the uh, water turbines or wind turbines and they have to all to collect this data and put this data probably to an HPC cluster somewhere else and it's at the moment it's simply not possible to connect this data and uh, with Gaia-X we are working on the topic of taxonomy um, ontologies and to solve this issue about that all the interfaces are speaking different languages and uh, with that uh, it has a really added value already. You can interconnect data then, which cannot be connected before. And then you have one place where you can really put this data. And then you can put this data probably to an HPC cluster, whatever you can imagine, uh, on the basis on Gaia-X with uh, the, the topics of self-sovereign identities. Uh, and uh, you really can rely on an infrastructure which you really know where your data set and you can follow your data set as well. This is what a Gaia X is all about. And actually, I do not think about that. We have to talk about the real, uh, the uh, big vision. We can solve the issues right now with our customers. We just did a press release, Paul, uh, last uh, last week or two weeks ago about uh, our vision and our what we are delivering for 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 Gaia X. And the the key idea here of the press release is that we can enable our customers right now to be ready later on. Uh, for Gaia X and to share data and uh, to uh, or, or to, to to get the insights uh, of the data um, probably within a vertical or even as a cross vertical. But you have to do homework in your company. You have to really to build up a, a data governance model. And the most companies do not have a data governance model in place. So actually, what what do you need to do at the moment? Uh, you need to have to build up a digital twin. Uh, in order really to be ready later on to share data in the manner on Gaia-X. I, I think a lot of companies were probably forced to adopt really fast now during the pandemic, where it was like, okay, everybody's going to be working from home. Oh, what about the data, compliance, laptops? Um, I think a lot of companies had to progress really fast over the last 16 months, uh, which was maybe quite a challenge, which probably put a lot of these things, which you're saying, in, pr in perspective, because... One of the reasons why we started this this Gaia X episodes and talking about it is because people know Gaia X, yeah, there's something happening out there, but people don't really understand the substance behind it. And like you said, well, you need to start adapting now. Now you need to start learning and start adapting your company and your business to it because otherwise you're going to be in trouble if you're going to look at it only in a couple of months' time. Um, so, so how does so? So do you do you think that most companies will struggle because they yeah. don't know how to manage their data? Or I, I have more yes, feeling yes. that companies don't even know the data they have. 
Yes, exactly. Um, or what? Because, <laughs> and maybe another interesting point is like data is like the new sun. Some people said it's oil, but well, we're now in the world of circular economy and zero net zero. So I would say data is like the sun, and a lot of companies don't understand the value of data because if you understand the data which you have with your customers. Or even internally within your business, you can understand how your market works or how your business works and operates. And that is something which helps you make projections or forecasts and even make you analyze the mistakes which I've done in the past so you can learn from it. And um, so uh, what's the advice you sort of have for businesses like? Get your data sorted ASAP, or what would you say? <laughs> yes, actually, uh, you're hitting exactly the point. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see that uh, the most companies are really not aware about the data sets, where the data sets are lying at the moment, what of kind of data sets they do have. There's nothing. It is, uh, you can call it a, a maybe a governance structure for, for data sets. So what we developed uh, for, for our uh, Gaia-X uh, press release, um, uh, for our companies uh, that uh, we uh, are delivering a, uh, a data majority model. We want to really show our customers where they are at the moment or what kind of level we have, uh, uh, is whether it is level zero, where they do not have, they still work on an Excel table to probably level four or five or something like this, where, where you really can exchange data ex uh, autonomously. But uh, actually, uh, what, what we see in our customers' conversations that most are sitting on level zero or level one, and uh, other car manufacturers are believing that, they are, they are, uh, that their suppliers are still in level minus one or minus two. And what we are de developing here at the moment is the maturity model where we really can showcase the customer where he is with his data sets and how he can evolve uh, very fast to the next levels, level two, three, or, or whatever you, where you want to evolve yourself. So it is absolutely necessary to have uh, just to, to have a, uh, yes, a standpoint where the company is. Then, then uh, of course, uh, then uh, the, you can only share data when you know what kind of data you're sharing. So the governance model is absolutely important. Uh, and even in a distributed world, it is absolutely necessary. I mean, you spoke already about the use case of the electricity company. Um, have you come across any other interesting um, use cases of where Gaia-X is the perfect solution? You said energy uh, companies because then the wind turbine firm can talk to the solar panel firm and everybody can connect and talk on the same sort of uh, data. Let's, let's, put, let's simplify it for everybody. Everybody can talk the same language. That's what Gaia-X is basically. It's like a massive translator yeah. that puts everything into the same la language. Um, what other use cases have you come across now already where you say like, wow, Gaia-X, that's the solution for this as well? Yes, actually, uh, there are so many, uh, it's unbelievable, uh, so many use cases are coming up. And uh, we, we applied just uh, for a couple of projects already. Uh, one is for smart city, for example. Uh, you can imagine within a city, the, the major problem is that you have so many data silos uh, distributed all over a city. And it's really not possible at the moment uh, to interconnect these data. Uh, I was working for HPE in the uh, in the smart city team for a couple of years, and uh, we had always we were struggling in connecting all the data silos. But with Gaia X, uh, we have, do have really the possibility to build up a data space for a smart city 
where you can easily connect with uh, what I just mentioning the possibility with the, with the same connector. Uh, you can now really connect these data silos to one data space. You don't have to move this data, you just connect this one. Yeah, you put a metadata layer on it and you really know where the ki uh, kind of data are really sitting and uh, you can look inside this data. This is uh, really an interested use case. Uh, so we can get off, rid of all these data silos with GaiaX. Yes, and another topic is, for example, uh, GaiaX will be used, um, we're working in the healthcare business in order really to make data sets um, usable for, for, for researching, healthcare researching. So it's actually a moment, the data set of the healthcare environment is absolutely uh, important that they must be highly secure. Nobody really not, is allowed to look inside this data set. But within GaiaX, uh, with the uh, sovereignty uh, built in in the data sets, self-sovereign identities and stuff like that, you have the possibility really to share data. And this is another project we are working here. Uh, uh, it's putting, we're putting uh, swarm learning a solution swarm learning on top of the connectivity or Gaia X. So you don't even have to move the data, uh, for example, for the healthcare environment. You just send the uh, algorithm to the data set and you just get the insights, the specific insights, probably about a tumor or something else uh, or a, a blood uh, sequence. And you just get the data of the blood sequence and you really can collect this data. Yeah, we just uh, have done this one, for example, for the COVID-19 databases, which are really distributed in each and every hospital. You can imagine all over Europe. We are just showing, uh, showcasing this one, for example, how to connect this data set, highly secure, uh, on a swarm learning environment based on, uh, uh, on the reference architecture of GaiaX. So how we really can connect this data and see such, just the insights and uh, get a really uh, whatever you like, uh, what kind of results you're looking for. Yeah, so I see the, there's a tremendous uh, possibility with GaiaX to solve solutions and problems uh, you cannot solve right now. Yeah. So basically, um, let's call it then the universal TV remote for data. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, no, it's, yeah. it's great because like, um, that's a nice thing because like the, the project which started, well, many months, years ago, um, it's finally becoming to the stage where you can actually see, well, it can be used for this, can be used for that, which means that the vision that the people originally had is actually materializing, which is really great because, okay, you will have your hurdles along the way. and But I think now the biggest and greatest companies are working on it across the globe. It's not just the European companies, which is a, another great thing because... Um, Maybe a lot of people can't say this, but I can say this because we're independent. And uh, for us, um, GaiaX represents the European vision, which means open for all and everybody should come and help together and join hands. And that's why I think it's a really great project because it can solve so many problems. And along the way, we will solve even more problems, which can maybe be applied in other countries as well, in other parts of the world. Because um, yes, like you said... Uh yeah. Paul, this is exactly our direction. We, we, we do not see this one only as a, as a European project. Since uh, uh, I was talking already with New Zealand, uh, with Australia, with a couple of companies from South America, all of them are interested uh, in the reference architecture, just to maybe to put this one in their country as well as a possibility to build an alternative to the hyperscalers or an alternative for uh, a possibility for the interconnection of the data sets. So or actually, maybe do so, it across the globe. I mean, yes, there's it, nothing wrong with this. It, it's, it should be the case. I mean, um, 
if you if you imagine if the healthcare sector, if a doctor would be able to, when he's doing a research on some medical history of some disease, and they would actually have access to all the data around the globe from patients that have suffered the same disease and their records, um, that would be just phenomenal. I think um, a lot of things could be solved much easier. And um, the pandemic we, we're we still living in would have probably not been as, um, yeah, um, maybe would have not been as harsh or uh, hit us as hard as we thought, eh? because then it yeah, would have flagged up somewhere earlier. At the beginning of the pandemic, we got a lot of requests from from researching companies from healthcare uh, to uh, just to get resources for HPC resources for for doing more researches uh, for the pandemic reason. Yeah, to to research on this one, and uh, I've seen that it's. We do have the resources, but the problem was uh, to deliver these resources right in time and to build up the connectivity to the different resources, uh, the data sets. And uh, uh, with Gaia-X, it would have been much more easy really to, to yes, to, to use this one Gaia-X and to deliver then an HPC resource to each and every data set uh, or researcher who really needs this one. So we, we don't have to see everything that uh, it is so green and everything will work la la later on. But actually, I, I believe GAIA-X is a project which will run in small pieces. Uh, you will see a, a piece uh, for, for GAIA-X for automotive. You will see one for energy and one for the public sector as well. And then it will evolve over the time. And then you can interconnect the data sets later on as well. So if, just imagine what's happening in the public sector. So what I see in the public sector, the most of the public sectors are really cannot really jumpstart in the digital, digital world at the moment. They really cannot connect, uh, cannot use the modern technology. They're still not able to do this. And with GAIA-X, it is really a possibility to connect on a sovereign manner to a, probably to a certain service provider right in the near, pretty easy. It is allowed by the, by the governments. Uh, to share the data, to copy the data on this place, and then they can use, of course, probably containers which are not in use to that uh, to use this one or other digital uh, topics. Yes, actually, uh, I believe there's a big chance with GAIA-X, but we have to work on it. It's just not easy to build up. So this means GAIA-X is the future. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Um, Okay, before we come to an end, because we always try to be um, tied on the schedule for the listeners, because they always like to get a quick update. Um, where would you see? Where would you like to see Gaia X project progress in the next six months till end of the year? What, would, what kind of progress would you like to see from the project itself? Yeah, actually, what I, I think is uh, the federation services. It's a, a topic uh, which is very, very important. Uh, we cannot build solution right now because we do not have the, the components of the federation services where you can federate each and every service. So there must be really, a, uh, this must evolve very fast. So um, yeah, another topic is, uh, I really, really believe that we should uh, work to, with our customers right now on the project on GAIA-X. We don't have to wait since every bit and byte is ready to run because this, I believe we should uh, do the first at the moment, yeah. Okay. And any wise words you would like to leave to the generations to come after you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. The last one was with the guests. So. <laughs> yes. I, I did mention that I'm working a lot of uh, with, uh, with uh, on the topic of sustainability. So 
my I really believe that we should care more about sustainability here in these kind of projects because dig digitalization is uh, is really uh, using a lot of energy and uh, resources. And so my last word would be here, put sustainability metrics uh, to every IT project is absolutely essential. And uh, it is not difficult to do this one. So uh, just do this one. And the other thing is, uh, is uh, like make sovereignty as your own narrative. So, uh, and uh, when you really want to build this one, think on HPE to do this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, this look, it's a great one. Um, speaking about sustainability, um, this was also one of the things which I thought about when we put the program together for the summit, which we have in a couple of, uh, well, actually next week already. Um, for whoever listens to this episode after, you guys can go back and see the recording. One of the panels is on net zero and sustainability because, um, coming from a data center organizing because we run the data center world as well i just thought with the whole infrastructure building up for Gaia x which has to be supported you should not forget also when you build this new infrastructures to support the system that sustainability has to be the first priority and yeah this is one of the things and um, thank you for being a guest and it was a great honor and um, yeah, thank you so much. And if you guys want to reach out to Ralph, please, um, you can do that um, on LinkedIn. I couldn't find you. Are you on LinkedIn, Ralph? No, not right no. now. I will be. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you guys, please feel free to reach out. And uh, Ralph is always happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much, Paul. Bye-bye.